Hi, Matt here. Just a quick one before you get stuck into this wonderful episode about painting. Uh, for those who haven't been on our Twitter, our Facebook, our Discord or anything like that, uh, it's just a quick one to basically say that I'm now a father. Hooray! So our recording schedule is a bit all over the place at the moment, understandably, and my new daughter is uh, got a few little health issues, nothing too serious, but it means I'm backwards and forwards to the hospital at the moment. So just to let you know, for, at the moment, like I said, our recording and of normal episodes is going to be a bit all over the place as of the next sort of few weeks to a month. But just to let you know, we will get back to a sort of normal schedule. Um, but unfortunately, as you know, sometimes real life gets in the way, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, but as always, thank you very much for your support. Just to let everyone know that if you already didn't know and uh, hope you enjoy this one. Thank you. Welcome to a very special episode of Realm and Ruin, a Warhammer podcast. A podcast that is so Warhammer that Nagash wants its soul. I'm your host, Matt, and joining me as always is my fellow co-host, a guy who is suspected of heresy, but some people think he may have just licked his paintbrush one too many times. It's Cameron. <laughs> I'm feeling a little bit ill. Pardon the words. <laughs> the we told you, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> we told you before. Don't don't lick it. Don't drink it. <laughs> but it looks so tasty. <laughs> that is very true. Actually, quick question: Have you ever mm. accidentally drunk what's in your, you know, the, the from your paintbrush, basically, you know, the the pots uh, of water? As much as it pains me to admit, yes. <laughs> <sighs> it One was of those guys. Interesting experience. <laughs> was it was it trippy was it it wasn't really trippy it just it it wasn't super bad for all of about five seconds and then all the all the taste of all the paint hit me all at once <laughs> <laughs> and it was a bit weird <laughs> <Out of there. sighs> but as i said it's a special episode and because it's a special episode we need a special guest and now uh, this is a guy that i think we've mentioned quite a few times on the show and mm. he's one of our very greatly appreciated discord members from silver shaman studio it's adrian how you doing mate i'm doing good thank you for having me here no problem well you know we're really glad to have you i think that, you know we, we spoke a little while ago didn't we about getting you on the show because you are a very helpful member of our discord offering paint advice and all such things so we thought no let's get him on let's let's the people need him the public <laughs> they're battering down the doors <laughs> so no very greatly appreciate that you're on here mate and i uh, hope you enjoy it so um yeah should be fun it will it certainly will so yeah so like i said this is a special episode one of our spin-offs and we're this will be very different actually compared to what we've done before and so basically the main focus of this show is we're going to talk about painting so, you know, you got all these all this grey plastic lying around. How do you paint it and how, you know, how do you get it to a, a good standard? So that's why we brought Adrian on. So we're going to sort of, you know, as, you know, have a casual chat for an hour or so, talk about all the you know different techniques uh, from a basic, you know, to the advanced sort of stuff. And, you know, our own experiences, what techniques we use and et cetera, et cetera. You know, ask Adrian's opinion on certain things. And mm -hmm. hopefully everyone listening will gain something out of this one. 
So um, before we start, Adrian, do you want to sort of give us your sort of general background when it comes to, well, the hobby in general? Yeah, of course. Um, so being a bit, bit old in my forties, um, <laughs> I first, old, it is, it's, I'm old. Um, probably, I think the first thing I ever built was an Airfix Red Arrow in the late seventies. So I started out actually doing like the Airfix planes and things like that as a kid. Um, from that I moved into doing like sort of Tamiya cars and bits and pieces. And it wasn't until I was in high school, probably about 14, 15 to the late eighties and all the, the first plastic marine set came out. Mm. And that's what basically got me into 40k, like interesting painting 40k and stuff, because my friends were into it as well. So, returned to it on and off over the time in between, but yeah, that's essentially where it started out. That that one box set of plastic marines got my interest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask that. So, what, what was your, that was actually your first Warhammer set, was it? Or first? Yeah, that was the first set. Yeah, £9.99, 30 oh, Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And when blister packs back then, you know, sort of three figures were five pounds, it was a big deal. You know, <laughs> it, it suddenly made it, you could actually afford to get stuff. My paper round was only six pounds a week. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, inflation, what are you doing to us? <laughs> yeah. It's scary how cheap they used to be compared to now. But no, oh, that, no, that sounds really good. So what are you, so what are you doing now currently? So at the moment, I'm diving in and out of doing my own things. Um, mainly, I've got the kill team set on the go at the moment, which, as we know, has got rather a lot of scenery with it. <laughs> Not that I've got mountains of plastic to bearing down on me, but <laughs> so I've got that on the go. Um, I've got other projects that have been going on a bit too long. I've got an RK on that I really need to finish off. Um, but the main thing I'm doing at the moment is some uh, Primaris intercessors and hell blasters for customer. Nice. And they're going to be Death Watch ones. So, made a start on the Intercessors. They're coming along nicely. But yeah, really nice kit. So, nice. Very impressed with them. Excellent. Excellent. I mean, do, are you, are you finding, like, I think, well, I think actually I actually asked this on the Discord that it's sort of, you're getting your flow now when you do, you know, when you're doing a model that you've done before, basically, because obviously you've done Death yeah. Watch before. So. Exactly. Yeah. The more and more you paint something. So, if you're doing a whole army. Um, you know, you're probably going to want to start out with, if, if it's something new to you, you know, you're going to want to start out with the less important troops, just your basic gunners, mm-hmm. things like that, so that you get the flow for it, an idea of how to paint them, get them look good, and then, mm-hmm. you know, then start doing your characters and things like that later on, so that you've really got a feel for how you want your army to look for you, do the special miniatures. It just makes things flow a bit, like so. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And obviously now you're, you're doing quite a bit of commission work now, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, it's been uh, coming in quite nice and consistently. Mainly Death Watch recently, but other bits and pieces here and there. <laughs> <laughs> Awful lot of Death Watch recently. <laughs> I mean, do you, when when did you sort of feel that it was right to then start doing commission work? You know, when did you think, you know what, I'm going to give this a go? Because it's, cause, you know, because it's quite a, well, I imagine it would be anyway, quite intimidating thing to do where, you know, we're all we're all critical of our own work, aren't we? Where we think, oh, I could do this a bit better or, you know, whatever comment you want to make. But then... You know, when you're trying to do it or get potentially paid for it from someone else, that's, you know, when did, yeah, so when did that sort of spring to mind? Um, probably when, when I started sort of trying to actually just learn to get, to get good, as you put it, you know, like I said, it's hard to know when to stop. It really is. <laughs> and, um, yeah, what one person thinks is pro painted coin of phrase compared to what somebody else thinks is very mm. vague. So I was just painting stuff and selling it on eBay for auction for whatever I could get for it. Um, and when I decided to start actually thinking, yeah, actually, I should start off in commissions was when I actually started to get sort of well above what the kit was worth. Yeah. So, you know, people are going, actually, yeah, that's worth me paying an extra £20 for how he's painted them. Then yeah. Decided, yeah, actually, 
people are clearly prepared to pay for how I'm painting stuff, so it's going to be worth giving it a go. No. Yeah, because I suppose it is that sort of time versus money situation, isn't it? Where without so, a doubt, yeah, you know, it's I suppose we're we're all guilty. Well, we all know it because I mean, me and Cameron talk about this, you know, every episode, aren't we? Where we're going, yes, yeah, so we're this, this we're filling up this uh, mountain of grey plastic right behind us, and there's mm-hmm. too much to paint and not enough time. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's pay someone yeah. else to do it. Um, exactly. I mean, I had um, one customer just sent me the pelt for his space wolves. Oh, nice. Because, you know, he was doing all the basics and everything, but he said, no, I just can't be bothered. I can't face <laughs> doing them all. You know, and that was literally his words. It wasn't like, I want them yeah. done super professionally. He's just like, I can't face it. Can you do them? <laughs> I was, was going to say, Cameron, have you, have you had something like that where you just think, I don't know if I want to get around to painting this, where you know you need to for whatever reason, but you just yeah. think, oh, I don't know if yeah. I can face it. Um, for me, that was definitely, uh, for a recent example, I'll say, that was definitely... Um, Earlier in the year when I was doing some Death Guard stuff and I did that 10-man squad of Poxwalkers. It's not a big squad, but I yeah. I did all the basic colors. I did the washes and did a little bit of highlighting. I'm like, they're good enough. And then I went, wait, I didn't do any metallics on any of them. <laughs> and I, and I just <laughs> oh, no. looked at them and each of them has like between 5 and 15 little tiny bits of metal, like either yeah. a little bionic eye or a little bionic arm or something. I'm like, oh, God. Please, <laughs> <laughs> and they're also they're very those pox walkers are very detailed as well, yeah, like deceptively really detailed. detailed. Yeah, and and yeah. like you said, they're they're actually that's that's a good point because they're quite a a bit of a quandary because obviously they're they're supposed to look horrendously disgusting because obviously effectively they're they're zombies, mm. but then they're very detailed as well. So there's part of you thinks oh, I could just slap a load of different paints, like I said, different washes, mm. and they go that'll do because they're a zombie. They don't need to look perfect, but then. You're yeah. sort of missing out on some of the details as well, but then yeah. at the same time, there's a lot of them, so that's a lot of yeah, time. Well, the yeah, thing you is, know, like, if that... I wanted to, if I wanted to really use them, I'd need like forty, and it, like I don't. Want yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. You yeah, know, some, they're, they're they're basically screening troops, aren't they? So, hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah. You're not they're, they're not going to be on the board there. for very long. Chances are, anyway. Yeah, true. Yeah. true. <laughs> it's all that hard work. <laughs> Wave it by as you take it off. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. That's that's no, that's an interesting one actually. I like. Yeah. I'll also ask that to you now, Adrian, that while we're on the subject, talking about sort of horde troops. So, you know, we, you know, I said pox walkers and a lot of the gene stealer, um, or oh, sorry, tyrannid forces or, I don't know, orcs in general, you know, where you, like I said, yeah. you, you know, these horde got armies. Where mass, you, you got a mass of them. Yeah. Too. I mean, is there sort of any advice you'd sort of give to people if they want to sort of <laughs> churn them out, so to speak? Yeah. I mean, if you pay, if you would build and paint, let's say you take orcs as a good example, because chances mm. are you're going to have a lot of them if you've got a horde. Say you've got, 90 of them which is very probable um you're not going to want to build 90 in one go you're going to lose the will to live um <laughs> I, I really would recommend sort of you do you sort of do batch work yeah um you know sort of do 10 or 20 at a time um and from doing those you'll probably work out a good technique of doing it but you know keep it simple with things like that i mean like you say the pox walkers are harder because you have got a lot of detail on them mm. but a lot of the mass troops you're probably going to only be talking about three or four colors you know yeah. a wash quick dry brush and they're going to be tabletop ready without any problem at all. As long as you're neat with it, then they're going to look fine. But it, like I said before, it just comes down to how much time you want to invest in them as well. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's but, a fair point. You know, yeah. the, the, a lot of those general general troop figures, you can do about three or four, yeah, maybe five colours. And yeah, a wash and a dry brush and they're going to look great. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, th- I, think, I, mean, you, I think you've said it a few times on our Discord where people they make things more complicated than it needs to be because yeah obviously i 
tell me if I'm wrong, but I think you've said before when obviously from the Citadel point of view, you've got a Citadel app and things like that, where Games Workshop are going, right, you know, you need this paint, you combine it with this paint and this paint and you can do this. And, and obviously I think you've said before, like, no, 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 you don't need to do that. Just do that to that and do that instead. You know, it's sort of, they like, you feel like they're overcomplicating things. Well, I bought for some orders I had, I thought best buy all the paints to do them just in case I need them. And one of them was some Slanesh and I can't remember what the other one was. So I bought all these paints and I painted them up so they look great. And then I, afterwards I counted up and I've ended up out of three orders now with 30 bottles I never opened. <laughs> wow. Now you do the maths on that and that it's enough to make you, enough to make you weep. You just don't. <laughs> um, if you want to do the, the absolute sort of layering technique like they do it, so you've got four, three or four different layer colors around the edges and things like that that mix them dilute your paints a bit you know i mean most mm. colors with a bit of white or whatever depending on the primary colors you know you can get your next lighter shade just by having a bottle of white to hand yeah you don't you don't need to buy all these different colors you know um all the main colors you can use as dry brush colors you don't need to buy the separate dry brush version with yeah, except the glazes and things obviously they're different formulation but your basic yeah, paints um, your basic paints you can use as dry brushes all the time i mean do you, do you think that it's They've done it to well, let's let's put our take our cynical hats off, and obviously it's not just <laughs> yeah. about money all the time, and which obviously will play a part in it. Do you think it is just to try and make it easier for people, or do you think it's just the fact that they just want no, people to buy more paint? <laughs> it's it's not it's not just a money spinner at all. No. Um, it is basically the the Games Workshop painting technique, and like, like you'll see Duncan do on the Warhammer TV. It's mm. a very formulaic paint by numbers to be able to get a good result if you follow it. Um, there's a guy on Twitter who's only been painting for about a month or so, and the mm. pictures he's putting up are easily as good as that come out of the Warhammer Studios. Yeah. Mm. Of his edging and everything he's done, because he's just watched tons of tutorials, practiced a few times, and he's just following it verbatim. Yeah. And if you do that, you will get the same results they're getting, and that's the whole point of it. Mm. You know, it might be, I mean, like I say, yeah, they, they do advise you to buy more paint than you need. I won't argue against that. But as a as a starter, <laughs> as, yeah, I, I, it's a bit of a sore point. I don't agree with yeah. it in many ways. Yeah. But um, for actually, just for somebody starting out, going, oh my god, how do I do this? They can buy the paint colours. They can see a tutorial on how to do it, and they know it's going to look like the box yeah. art. And that's that's all good for getting people in the hobby. At the yeah. end of the day, you know, yeah. you can't. I can't fault them on that. Well, no, it's it's part of their ethos, really, now at the moment, where they are trying to make things as easy as possible. We're seeing a lot of easy-to-build kits where, you know, we've seen Warhammer Conqu- uh, 40k Conquest come out recently, which is obviously, a, you know, to get people... It's on, it's on our TVs, you know, so... That's yeah, we exactly, use, yeah. It's, sun, it's suddenly in the mainstream. <laughs> exactly, yeah. so it, it feels quite alien, or quite Xenos, I should say. But... Um, <laughs> but um, we're in this sort of situation and yeah I, I i mean i i i don't disagree with it i you know i think that there's times where yeah it there's a because there's a lot of paints out there and i remember when i was into this hobby as a kid there wasn't yeah. as many paints as this nope. and it was very and it was very basic i mean was it you cameron as well like this because i i would yeah, I, I had probably yeah. about 20 paints at most if that and that mm. covered most bases but then to be yeah. fair when i was a kid there wasn't all these up like tech paints and dry yeah. brush paints it was literally just Normal paint. Yeah. <laughs> you do what you yeah, can. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, gla- and all the glazes the old, and things. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the, it was when they were just the clear bottles with the black tops was when I was in. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then I saw like the introduction of washes and the introduction of the first couple of technical paints and that I stopped playing and collecting for like a few years. And then I came back and like, oh, there's like literally twice as many 
Yeah. Where'd they all come from? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, it's it's not a bad thing because ultimately it's mm. it's more diversity. You know, it gives you different options. You know, and it, you know, and I suppose we're in a world now where they can produce so many different types of colours. They can provide these different. I said these ones that are literally different. You know, we've got layer ones which are slightly watered down compared to base. You've got, like I said, the tech ones and things like that. And obviously airbrushing is now a thing, which it wouldn't have been very, you know, 20, 30 years ago wouldn't have been as prominent, et cetera, which obviously we'll go on to a bit later. But yeah, I I suppose, you know, keeping it simple is the way forward. I think that we all overcomplicate things where, you know, because let's be honest, we'll see these amazing looking paint jobs that on the, on these miniatures you think wow i'd love to you know extend to that and then sometimes you think to yourself yeah but that person may have spent x amount of hours doing you know some people spend oh, yeah. a oh, obscene yeah. amount of time doing the these jobs and 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 that's why they look as fantastic as they as they do but then you could spend okay let's hypothetical you know someone could have spent 500 hours you know you could have done mm. your archaeon you know 500 hours and it will look yeah. you know look amazing but then there's nothing stopping you taking another miniature spending 10 hours on it which obviously is nowhere near 500 hours mm. but yeah. by doing some of these techniques doing using some of these paints you get to of a still a very good standard yeah it's not this 10 out of 10 500 hour one over here <laughs> but it's a seven and a half out of ten that is still perfectly great to look at and, you know, tabletop and more than tabletop. And, you know, and you haven't had to spend 500 hours getting to that sort of stage. You know, it's, it's, that, that is a very important point. I mean, a lot of these materials and things that you can get such easy access to nowadays. Yeah. yeah. You can get, you can make something that looks really, really good on a tabletop and it will, it won't take you a fraction of the time it takes to do a competition piece. Yeah, but you can make something very quick, very easy. But like you say, with washes, with glazes, you know, just some basic, basic blending techniques and things like that, and you're well away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, what Cameron? What was it when you were sort of first getting into it? Can you remember what sort of they were teaching people back then? Oh, um, it was a lot of dry brushing <laughs> for yeah. getting like <laughs> yeah. things done quick and easy. Like the the like I, I did a couple of like learn to paint sessions as a kid, and it ended up being basically I did. Oh God, was I did metallic tyranids? I had the idea of like <laughs> tyranids that were eating Necron worlds or something. So it was like you paint them silver, <laughs> you give them a bit of a dry brush in the light, in the lighter silver, the mithril silver or whatever it was at the time, and then yeah. you do the characters yeah. copper. You give them a little bit of a gold dry brush, and then you're basically done. And it looked fine. Um, and then <laughs> you know, like I said, they introduced washes after I was in the hobby for a year or two, and I was like, oh. That's cool. This makes this even easier. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. It's 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 insane actually how how that technique of I say it funny saying dry brushing how mm. quickly you can smash through models doing that sort of way. Because I remember when I was first getting into hobby. So I, I I've said multiple times on this podcast I got into Games Workshop when it was second edition, one forty k. So that would have been. I don't know, early nineties, I would say, yeah, and about that. And from my, from what I can remember back then, the way we got into painting is you took, so you took a marine, you put it, you know, put ultramarine blue or whatever on it. You then take a wash and just wash mm. it all over, and that was it. You yep. literally that was that was done. It was in in your head as a as a young child. You <laughs> you thought, wow, I've done yep. a fantastic job there. There wasn't. I don't even remember there being real much highlighting. There wasn't yeah. dry brushing. Wasn't really yeah. a thing, or at least nah. my local store didn't teach that side of things and 
Yeah, and but then I suppose for you know for a kid where you know let's be honest for a lot of people they get into this hobby as a kid that was fantastic because obviously you know mm. you got the you got all this shades running you know these washes are running into the the recesses and it's picking out the detail and you know in your head you're like wow I've just done a fantastic job I mean okay that, let's look just thinking about it your Death Guard camera in you know mm. a while back yeah you know you from memory you you obviously did them white and then you took I can't remember which paint was it it was you shaded it was Reichland flesh shade. So yeah, they're, they're like yeah. 75 to 80% wash. Like the only thing yeah. that I actually painted are like the metallic trims and the wooden details, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, they're, but um, they're, they look great for that. Yeah. You know, for what, you know, I'm not trying to trivialize what you've done, but you know, no. compared, you know, you, you've not spent 500 hours doing that, but no, you've, no. you know, you've got <laughs> by doing a, you know, a, re, you know, a simple technique, you've got them to, you know, easily tabletop standard and they mm. still look really cool and rotten like they're supposed to. So. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like I said, keep it easy. I think yeah. is the what we're trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. So actually, talking to keeping it sim- you know simple and easy. So let's start with the real, real basics here. So, yeah. so I'm a I'm a Warhammer newbie. You know, I'm chewing my bubble gum here, going, oh, what's yep. this? What's this Warhammer all about? Um, <laughs> I've got my I've got my baseball cap to one side and what other <laughs> things the kids do these days. And <laughs> oh wow. Wow. And so I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm young, young Matt's going, oh, I want to get into this Warhammer. So, you know, so in your opinion, Adrian, what, where, do, where would you start? Um, when it actually comes to sort of choosing models and things like hmm. that, um, it depends whether you sort of need a set or something. I mean, things like the Kill Team set and all these, um, gateway games that they're releasing at the moment are superb. You get a lot in there for your money and there is everything to play a game straight away. Um, but the most important thing, I think, really, is just pick something that they're going to feel passionate about. Yeah. So sort of read about the factions, listen to podcasts, maybe watch some battle reports. You know, find out which ones you think, oh, I like them. I like, they're cool. I want some of those. You know, and you think the models look cool and stuff like that, because then you've got to be passionate about doing it. Um, I mean, it's pretty well, they're pretty well balanced game systems, so it's not like there is an absolute best army at everything. <laughs> you know, they've tried to make sure that. I mean, some do have stupid things like a certain Mr. Gulliman and stuff but <laughs> you know wow. as, a, as a general rule yeah. as a general rule it's not really going to matter which ones you go for too much you know just go for what you like um, and then obviously you know you can start looking look at the other things you're going to need to get you know if you're totally new to the hobby you're obviously going to need to get your brushes um, cutters to actually get parts off mould line remover glue all these bits and pieces really mm-hmm. yeah I mean do you that's a good point actually talking about the, like, the tools and things like that do you you know so if you you know if you had to so people you know say someone here is listening yeah i mean most people probably yeah. listening that are uh, yeah have, probably got all the stuff anyway exactly, just in but case we'll, we'll, we'll you know we'll pretend that's not the case so yeah so what you know what yep. would you recommend um so young young baseball cap matt here yeah what, what brushes and, <laughs> and tools should i get um i have tried using cheap side cutters and things and from a few different brands and i've got to admit that the ones that games workshop do which are about 15 pounds i think um they are easily the best for the money yeah um they're just really precise they slide along the edges of the parts really nicely they're really sharp um i'm mean, leaving the amount i'm doing might have lasted six months so <laughs> those are definitely they're worth the investment so yeah. it's all a bit of a bit of a painful crunch at first you think i'll oh, get the models then you realize you need to spend another 60 70 pounds but <laughs> you know when you put these things you know they will last so yeah you're definitely going to want a set of those um the games workshop mold line with two of with, Mold line remover tool, uh, yeah, that's pretty much a must as well, to be honest. Yep. Um, the time that you spend preparing your models will show. 
if you yeah. take the time to cut everything neatly, to get rid of all your mould lines, put mm. them together neatly, it shows when you paint it. Because the paint layers you're putting on are so thin, they're not going to hide these things. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. you, as much as you may hope, if you don't do it, you're going to see a nice face that you painted beautifully and there'll be a line going right across the top of his head <laughs> and you'll cry so it, it's it's worth spending those two minutes it takes to get rid of those mold lines i, I agree with that because i i that's the, this is the one area that I, when i say i'm struggling with i'm not struggling with it but i it's the area that always makes me the most anxious i actually find this part more anxious than the actual painting side of things because i again going back to my youth when i was into this hobby you know it was i was well it was it was lead and then it was white metal and then yeah there was no such thing as you know resin or fine cast at that point and and there was only certain bits of plastic at that time and so you know in reality you didn't really have to deal with that side of things so obviously you'd, you'd buy a blister pack with a you know a lead or white metal miniature that yeah you know you'd have they'd have the odd little bit of of metal that was sort of on it but you could literally just Pick, pick that off basically so it wasn't really yeah. an issue and then it'd be ready but obviously now we're in this world of plastic where you know obviously it's very advantageous for a lot of reasons but then obviously that comes with the fact you're having to cut out a lot of parts out of sprues and then like i said you're having to sort of clean them up before you can do the process so you know so what's you you know and i'll ask this to both of you i was starting with agent mm. what, what's yeah. your you know what's your technique at doing it yeah so say i've got a normal marine for sake of argument keeps it yep. simple yeah um I personally will actually tend to do the legs, torso, and the backpack separately, get all those prepared and put together. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I would do the arms and the head separately. Um, But that's just the way I do it. It's just because otherwise things like the um, Oculus symbol and stuff like that on the chest, you're going to have a nightmare reaching it. So I actually paint almost everything in sub-assemblies. Yeah. But I will get every single part and I'll look over it really closely. (laughs) <laughs> you know and just get because it, it's just painful otherwise you know you spend yeah. hours painting something and you take a photo at the end of it and your average camera phone will pick up everything unfortunately they're too good these days <laughs> no hiding <laughs> yeah there, there is no hiding you know um and it's the same with any kind of painting you know if you talk to any kind of painter in any profession you know that's house decorating or you know car painting or whatever they'll all tell you the same thing preparation is 99 percent of it so yeah just going over every single part um, you know, if you do a lot of models, you can do all this one piece, which is obviously the ideal. Yep. You don't really want to be having to do sub-assemblies. But yeah, to take your time, just go over it, make sure it all looks neat and tidy before you do anything. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Cameron? Uh, I, I more or less agree with that, especially with the sub-assemblies thing. I have found a, like, a godsend with my Death Guard, because there's so many bits you just can't reach otherwise at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. I would I would say my my number one tip is always check the legs twice because in my experience <laughs> you you look you look over the whole model for mold lines you get rid of all the mold lines then you stop you look back you check the front of the legs you check the back of the legs you check the side of the legs and there will be a mold line there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is so true actually i didn't really think yeah. because, uh, it must be a psychological thing because you you know i think you, you know again mm. using the marine example i bet you check the you know you're fine with the arms because i suppose yeah. that's your eye level and head and things like yeah. that whereas like mm. so your legs you tend to forget about so, yeah, 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 there's probably some psychology there somewhere. There <laughs> probably is. It, it's my personal issue is I always have to check the legs precisely. <laughs> like it could be, yeah. it could be on the inside of the thigh. It could be just running straight down the front of the leg. I will miss it somehow on the first go around. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Oh, what, uh, what? What's so? What, Adrian, what's your sort of technique when it comes to 
dealing with the because I again for me when it comes to like the sprue marks and and sure. the, the that sort of thing it's 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 one area that I I don't say I struggle with it but like I said I it's an area where I feel a bit like I said anxious because if you get it wrong you could easily take a chunk out of your your miniature sure. and then you're like oh for God's sake I mean obviously luckily in the war torn universes of <laughs> 40k and age yep. of sigma it doesn't matter because you say oh it's just battle damage but you know yep. sometimes you don't want that you're just like no i want no, exactly it. so so okay so i've got i've got my sprue i've got my uh, my gw cutters which i i use as well cameron do you use them as well um i you use, i use an old pair of gardening pliers actually i think they are. But, <laughs> wow um, they're very sturdy and they're still very sharp after the last four years so <laughs> oh excellent <laughs> when when they eventually oh. fail i get the gw ones but they are really <laughs> good they are yeah. fan- i must admit they are, they are worth it yeah, yeah. i think like like adrian said that you the, the points you can get to with them is make them worth it mm. because i i mm. i think when i've got back into this i bought some some cheap ones off Amazon, which did the job, but they're a bit chunky and, and therefore yep. you, you're likely to take out a bit of the miniature if you're not careful. Cause obviously the problem is with the cutters in a lot, they sort of, they end up um, sort of pinching and uh, they're sort of mm. and squeezing it sometimes if you're not. Yeah. Careful. And they can, yeah, they can stretch and strain. The so you've got to be careful. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, so I've, so I've got my, you know, I've got the, the Marine in its, in yep. its sprue. I've got the cutters. I, do you, do you tend to sort of cut near to it or do you tend to cut away from it and then get rid of the, the excess? So what I tend to do is I'm afraid anybody hasn't seen the cutters. They've essentially got, as they close shut, a very flat side mm-hmm. and then the angle mm-hmm. cutting side. So what I do is I'll actually run the flat side, ideally as much against the edge of the model as it can. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, like you say, if it's a leg piece or whatever on the foot, you know, sort of run it so it's running along the plastic and just let it cut it off. Mm-hmm. And that will leave hardly anything behind anyway. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then depending on how much it's left, if it's only a tiny little bit, then I'll use mold, to, mold line remover tool. Um, mm. And same yeah. again, if you can, run it flat along the plane. So yep. it's like plating yeah. wood or anything like that. So yeah. it's only taking off the bit you wanted to take off. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but if it is a much bigger bit, I do have a scalpel drowned, but I don't mm-hmm. trust myself with it a lot of the time. I've got too yeah. many scars, so I try and avoid using <laughs> yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So yes. Yeah. Note to younger users. Yeah. If you're younger, <laughs> yes. don't, do not use a scalpel without supervision, please. Because <laughs> they are, they are Absolutely. sharp. Absolutely. Um, mm. I mean, you can pick them up cheaply enough. You know, off eBay and things like that, because you don't mm. need the sterile blades. You can get a hundred blades for about six, seven pounds. It'll last you forever. Yeah, but yeah. Use caution using them because they are <laughs> they they bite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, they they are a, they're, they're a handy tool to have. But yeah, just be careful with them. Yeah, mm. agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, and, a, um, and a tip I'd give for removing things from sprues in general is think about stress on the piece that you're removing yeah because Mm. um if you cut say the bottom of the feet off first and then you have to cut this tiny little shoulder dormant attachment point off you are going to bend or break that piece of adornment yeah good point so cut the cut the delicate bits first and then leave leave, like the bits that you're not going to see like the bottom is the bottom of the feet or a bit where it joins with another piece of plastic leave that for last because it doesn't matter if you mess that one up a little yeah Yeah, yeah, and nice. if you've got some, if you've got something that's super fragile all the way round, um, mm. I've also got, as you mentioned earlier about cheap side cutters, I've got the old cheap ones that I did buy originally. Yeah. Um, and actually cut, I, what I'll do if it's something really delicate all the way around it is cut the sprue around it into yeah. pieces. I was going to say so that. Literally yeah. cut, cut, cut the whole section up, you know, cut the corners out and everything so that you've only then got one 
bit of plastic attached to each delicate part, mm. and then you're not going to put as much strain on them. I mean, I mean, sometimes that works when even when you haven't got a delicate part. There's sometimes yeah. you get to a part where it's just awkward. Even with the GW cutters, which are very good at getting into these sort of nooks and crannies, sometimes you'll have a piece which is just in an awkward position, and you're like, I can't quite mm. get my hand round. So yeah, like I said, just cut the sprue, cut the you know the actual because it's only going to probably go in the bin anyway. So yeah, or well, actually, I think Adrian, you use it for. Um, Sub-assemblies, don't you, sometimes? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so I'll actually... Um, I've got a whole stack of sprue offcuts. And, mm. yeah, they're, they're perfect. I've just got... You can... Just a bit of foam. Um, the plastic... Not plastic. The green stuff that flower rangers use. Yeah, so I deal with yeah. sticking it in Oh, as yeah. Well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, that, that flower ranging foam. And then, yeah, then you can just stick... Obviously, stick it onto a part that's not going to be visible. You know, stick it on what will be the contact point onto the model. Um, Excellent. Just a yeah. tiny drop of super glue. Um, which rather rather than like liquid cement that we use for gluing models together, yeah, it's, 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 yeah don't use that because that actually, if you if you're new to this, um, yeah, the different types of glue, the normal poly cement that you'll get for gluing it together, actually melts the plastic to glue it mm-hmm. together. It's like welding, mm-hmm. um, so it'll it'll melt both surfaces and then the solvent will evaporate and the plastic will bond together. You get a really strong bond. Um, <laughs> yeah. Where as you found, if you ever suddenly realise you want to move something later, you've got no chance. Yeah. Uh, whereas super whereas super glue's contact adhesive um so it'll actually just leave a contact layer in between the two so if you do need to move it later or break it off later you can do yeah um stick, sticking it in the freezer helps as well yeah mm. breaks them on down it's a good little tip if you're ever looking at buying um second-hand resin parts resin models and yeah them down. good point uh, uh stick them in the freezer and then you can usually break them apart again yeah Excellent. Yeah, good good tips. Because, I mean, I know, and I saw going back to the, the plastic glue, it's also good yep. for Nurgle stuff as well. So if you've got anything you want to look a bit melted or just mm, literally, yeah. I've done it before, uh, year, years ago, where I'll take a model and just, like I said, just pour a load of glue over it and just let, let it do it and it'll melt. <laughs> you'll, see, you'll get like these, <laughs> all these melted faces and things like that. So, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's strong stuff if you're uh, not careful with it, unless you want to use it, like I said, in that sort of technique. So, yeah, yeah cool. Sure. So. Mm. So yeah, I, I mean, I going back to the the sprue thing. Like I said, I I cut them out. What I've tended to do now is, like I said, I'll use a scalpel if there's still a, a significant chunk left. And like I said, that mold line remover, even though it is for mold lines, it is perfect for getting rid of sprue marks as well. Just Very you know, like I said, so. treat it like a plane. Put it forty five degrees, and then uh, yeah, cool. Okay. Um, and if you need to go any further than that, um, probably just say about some one thousand grit sandpaper. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if you if you're doing something like say, you know, which is like a large area, you know, like say a carapace on a night or something like that, you know, if you can see anything at all, just give it a very quick like once over some really fine sandpaper. Yeah. Just if it's a really prominent, like, you know, big flat area mm. where you're going to notice any single mark. Yeah. Would Would you take that over a file potentially? Um. No. Yeah. The little nail file things you can get are great as well. Mm-hmm. It's just purely a case of whichever you find easiest. Really. Yeah. True. You know. Yeah. One isn't especially brilliant over the other it's just whichever suits yeah as is most things in modeling you know, <laughs> yeah. there's no mm. you know there's no specific right or wrong especially with painting yeah. you know it's <laughs> if everybody painted the same way it'd be a very boring hobby yeah oh yeah absolutely, absolutely. but i think when because we'll, we'll get on to the the paint brushes and paints in a, in a yeah. second but it i find that 
you know, again, as an adult being into this hobby now, it's it's actually being open to all these other brands and things like that. Because again, when you yeah. you're younger, you just you just use the Citadel paints because well, why wouldn't you? You wouldn't know about anything else. They're they're thrown in your face along with everything else. Not literally, because that'd be very harsh throwing paint in, in, <laughs> in kids' faces. But um, <laughs> but uh, you know, they they push. You know, they're like these are the paints you need to use. But then, I mean, let's be honest. They they are good for what they are. But I think yeah. that. You know, if you want to go to a, potentially to a different level, that's when a lot of these other brands will will kick in. Um, you know, like Vallejo and P3 and, and ones like that. So I think it. I think one thing to for everyone listening is with all the things we're talking about, it's being open to things, not Very always so. just you know going. You know, it, it may not be for you. You know, again, whether it's a paintbrush, a, a particular brand of paint, or you know, a tool or anything like that, it may you know it may not be for you, but. You know, but a lot of it to be, the good thing is with a lot of these things, they're not horrendously expensive. Um, you know, it's, you know, apart from when you obviously potentially going into like airbrush territory, but at this stage, you know, a lot of these tools and the, you know, getting a couple of pots of another brand, it's not going to cost you, you know, I said a silly amount of money. So, you know, give it a go and it could convert you in, you know, in, in a matter of seconds, depending on how it goes. Yeah, very much so. Um, I mean, certainly it's really worth looking at the, the other brands a lot. Um, especially I'd say Vallejo and P3. Um, Vallejo do some really, really good colours in their game colour range, mm-hmm. which are ideal for obviously for 40k gaming and Sigma and things. And you, they're very good value. They cost about the same to within pence of GW paints, but you mm-hmm. get about 30% more in the pot. So you're actually getting a lot more paint each time. Yeah. Um, I've started using definitely the Vallejo for the yellows. I find the yellows are a lot easier to work with than the um, Citadel ones. Uh, it's doesn't to do with the pigment I think Citadel use. Yeah. But, you know, it's really worth looking at these other colours. Um, you know, if, as we're going to mention later about other techniques like sort of non-metallic metals and stuff like that, you can get all these kits readily designed which have got all the right shades and things in them as well. So if you think, oh yeah, I want to try learning that, you know, mm. for, like I say, not for massive outlay, for about £18 you can buy a full paint set that will have everything in it you need. Yeah, good point. I mean, uh, Cameron, do you, have you used anything apart from Citadel? I can't remember. Um, I have a few specialist paints that are non-Citadel. In particular, I have a set of neon paints that I haven't really used for Ooh. much so far. Um, and I forget what brand they are, to be honest. I'd have to run and have a look. Um, <laughs> but I got them a few years back when I was into War Machine and Hordes, and I wanted to do a voodoo-style uh, Gatorman army. Um and those are interesting. They're much more like poster paint, so you have to thin them down a lot more. But they give a much more brighter, concentrated, neon-y color, effectively, is what yeah. they're for. I'll probably mm-hmm. use them for some Slanesh at some point. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, but most, mostly I stick to Games Workshop stuff just for ease of use. and Yeah. Uh, it's what, and, it's and, what I know currently. So I'll expand more in future, I'm sure. Yeah. And that's, and, and that's the point we're trying to say, is that you, you ultimately use what is best for you. You know, like yeah. I said, I know there's people out there that as soon as they go to Vallejo or the other ones are like, right, I'm never using Citadel again. But <laughs> then there'd be some people go, oh, no, I'll use a bit of this, a bit of that. And, mm. you know, it's it's like anything. Just use what you feel is best. And and I think that it, probably in an ideal world, you will use a combination of different ones. Because like like Cajun said, you know, if you use the – if Vallejo give you the yellow that you're – you really want then that's what you'll use for yellow but then a different color maybe better in a different brand you know because like for example i i've used Vallejo. i've got quite a few vallejo now i've probably got more than that than citadel and i i really like their stuff but then a couple of the reds i've used for example i was a bit 
mm, iffy on. They weren't. They didn't turn out how I was imagining they would. Whereas the GW ones, the Citadel ones, were a bit of a deeper red that I was hoping for. Um, but you know, that's that's the way it goes. It's sort of you know, it is an experiment, and like like all artists are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you know, the best thing to do is if you've got a good idea, like you're saying there, of how you want something to look, then it's a lot easier to actually learn to do do that. If you don't exactly know what it is, you're tr- trying to achieve you're going to really struggle yeah, yeah. obviously you know yeah, i mean it sounds common sense but yeah it's a fam- you know, fair point you, you know you do see people posting pictures online sort of saying i don't know what to do with this now <laughs> so uh, you know when, when you're going to go paint something you know if you haven't got a clear idea already just have this one things we're so lucky with these days and obviously with just the amount of resources on the internet yeah mm. you know you can just go find some schemes other people don't think oh i like the way they've done that's you know one particular detail or whatever i'm going to mm. try that yeah, and, and that's what it should be about. You know, just have fun and experiment with things. Yeah, absolutely. It's. Uh, I mean, I. I think when and Cameron's probably the same. I do it on on Reddit particularly. I'll I'll be just looking on the the various subreddits, and there's some fantastic work. And I just I message him. I'll just say, look, how did you do that? Because it's just and and then the. I find it's one of two answers. I don't know if, again, it's the same for you guys, but if I see a particular technique, you know, like, even if it's just a colour, I'll be like, how did you get that particular colour? It'll be either something like, I did this and I did that, and I'm like, wow, that's, that, was it that simple? And then, or then the other answer will be, and it's literally like a, mo- you know, like a, an essay just comes in my, my inbox, <laughs> and it's like, uh, yeah, I'll pass, thanks. <laughs> and that's yeah. I, I used, you know, th- a bit of this, a bit of that, a bit, you know, it's like a whole concoction where you think, yeah, no, yeah, they just, give, they- they give you all the mixed ratios. And yeah, and I'm oh, like, gosh, no, 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 no. No, I don't. You know, it's no, I don't need. That's a whole. That's a whole other level of painting. Exactly. Um, but that that's a good point that you just made there. Those communities brilliant for helping out. You mm. know, you, I mean, if you go asking sort of people who've got twenty thousand followers and they only give their information out on Patreon, obviously, chances are they're not going to reply to you. <laughs> um, but, you know, the majority of painters, if you see something, you say, God, that looks amazing. How do you do that? They will, like you said, yeah. they'll either give you a list of how they did it, or some of them will either go, you know what, actually, I'll just do a full blog about it, and I'll let yeah. you know when I've done it, or, you know, they'll do a quick video even sometimes. Um, yeah, it's brilliant how people just help out these days. Well, I think, let's be honest, it, it is like a form of self-promotion, and also, I suppose, it's, again, slightly human nature. If someone says to you, oh, I really love that job you just did. It, you know, it makes you feel good because you're being complimented oh, yeah. for something you do. And obviously, if someone said, oh, why did you do that? You know, it would be, it'd be the same in any other thing. You know, if you cooked me something nice and I liked it, I'd be like, oh, how did you cook that? It's You know, you would go, oh, yeah, I'll just put a bit of this, bit of that, and, and go from there. So I think, no, this is the, the brilliance of the internet. You know, we've got, and, and the fact also, again, from years ago, we didn't have all these templates. We've got apps that, you know, give you color combinations and, you know, and I know yeah. we've had things like color wheels and things before, but we're getting things where, you know, apps where it will tell you what color it is and think, you know, it's, it, it'll just, it'll keep getting better. And that's, you know, it'll get better and better as we go along, which is really, yeah. really good. Yeah. There are, there are some clever things out there. The snap I've got called paint rack and you can either scan a color or however, you know, take a photo of the color or however you want to do it. And like you say, yeah, it'll give you all the variations between all the different brands and everything. Yeah. All the major brands out there will say, you know, use this, this, and this. There's that, um, marine backpack chart that Games Workshop have out. I don't know if you've seen that one, where it's got all the different backpacks and then it will say sort of base, dry brush layer, etc. Yes. Ah, yeah. 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 Yep. That's, you know, that's another good one as well. If you think, you know, how do I do this scheme? What should I get? Then that'll probably tell you everything. Literally just a few things, what you need to get for it as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, going back to GW, it's sort of again another yeah. win-win for them, isn't it? Because obviously, you look at yeah, the app, exactly. Go, ah, I'm yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to promote GW. Here. <laughs> I would like to point out. <laughs> no, it's, it's just as we are sort of trying to aim this for, but you know, people just starting out. It's the less intimidating system to yeah. start with. Absolutely. Mm. Well, well, talking of starting out, let's let's move on to brushes. Um, yes, because <laughs> this is always a contentious subject for a lot of people as well. So, with, with, without a doubt. Um, <laughs> so, where, yeah, so where would you start now with brushes? That is a very good point. Very good question because I know of at least one painter who paints at competition level who buys the most cheapest and cheerful ones he can find <laughs> in the supermarket, absolutely abuses them, and then throws them in the bin afterwards. And then other people say, oh, you know, you've got to buy a 15, 20 pound brush or you won't get good results. Um, for starting out, I would recommend, I would personally recommend buying at least one or two decent brushes. And by decent, I mean ones that have got, uh, Kalinsky Sable. Yep. Mm. Uh, the main reason being is that the paint flows so well through them. I think it's obviously to do with the Sable hair, I presume. I, I don't know all the science behind it, but you will find that when you're drawing, uh, when you're painting anything, the lines just flow. It's just like drawing with a pencil. Okay. Uh, so they are worth the investment. Top brands, mm. you're probably looking at Windsor Newton or Rosemary and Co., which are the ones I've just bought recently. Yeah. How are you finding them? They are gorgeous. It is quite creepy. I mean, I, you guys probably saw that picture I posted up at the Harlequin where I did all the diamonds and yes. everything. Mm, mm. That was just so easy to do. I had no trouble painting the black check lines or anything at all. You know, it was literally just, yeah, the paint's about right, straight across the model, and I've just got a perfect line each time. Um, the only real difference between them and the Winter Newton brushes is just really just the length of the bristles. Uh, they're just a little bit longer on the Rosemary Co. ones, which is the Series 33 that most people tend to recommend. Right. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, those are the, probably the best ones for Sable that you're going to find very easy to get. Mm-hmm. You can easily get them pretty much worldwide. Uh, they're not silly money. You're probably looking at about, seven or eight pounds okay um for most things i probably <clears throat> recommend buying say a size one and a size double zero and mm-hmm. that should enable to do anything where you're after like doing all the fine detail work yeah they'll they'll cover you for that and then beyond that you're just going to want something larger to actually paint the whole model without going your airbrushes which we'll mention later <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so you're probably going to want like say you know if you just get a de- half decent size two brush or base brush or whatever it is the games workshop called them these days and chances are you can use that for doing a lot of the washes and things as well. You can get away with doing almost everything, probably with three or four brushes at the most. Mm, Just to start off with. (laughs) But then you'll find, like with most of these things, think, oh, I wonder how they did that. Then you find (laughs) certain other brushes you need, and I think I've got about 30-odd in my pot now. Um, But if you want cheaper ones, like I say, I've got a set of, I think it was about a dozen brushes, which are allegedly sable from China. Like six pounds, six pounds fifty. I, 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 I do like, I do like to my luck with the with the Chinese bargains because you never know. And yeah. I mean, for your for general brushes, you know, for doing dirtier things, like say if you're doing like um like the earth textures on a base or something like that. Yeah. You know, you don't want to be using your eight ten pound brush, no. and clogging it up with dirt and gack. You know, you want a cheap brush that if it goes wrong, you don't mind throwing it in the bin. Um, and that it's worth picking a set of those up as well these basic paint uh, paintbrush sets because yeah that's it's just handy to have something where you don't mind if it gets destroyed yeah mm. yeah. yeah exactly 
And especially, especially like me, when you buy six of those uh, Conquest sets that, uh, <laughs> that come out because you get, I've got like, like six standard, you know, base, you know, starter brushes. I think, yeah, it's called a starter brush. You know, yes. Citadel side when I've got six of those <laughs> that can can get a lot of abuse if needed. Yeah, so no, it's, yeah, no, it, good... it's it's not going to matter. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's with all these things. So it is going to be what you find works. Um, like I was mentioning about like long sword bristles, that will just be purely down to how you like paint and what works for you. Yeah. You know, so don't go out and buy a hundred pound set of brushes straight off the market. <laughs> yeah. For God's sake, don't do that. Because <laughs> you may find that they just don't suit how you, your, the way you're going to paint. And you may think mm. you can't paint, which will probably not be the case at all. You know, pretty, pretty, <laughs> if you've got, if you've got the patience, pretty much anybody can do this. It's just a yeah. learned skill. You know, Absolutely. it's just a case of just your muscles getting used to being delicate and accurate. <laughs> yeah, um, which is surprising how long it takes. Because when I first got back into it again, I was thinking, I'm sure I used to be able to do stuff like this, no problem. <laughs> and I was really struggling doing things. Mm. You know, and my, I was going back, and you know, you're retouching in the same arm for 15 times. You think, oh, I just, I can't even. <laughs> but it, it does come to you again after time. And if you're just starting out, you know, just persevere. Don't give yeah. up straight away, um, just because you're not getting a brilliant result. Because you will see pictures out there. And you'll think, oh, wow, yeah, that looks amazing. I bet I can do that over a weekend. And it may, it may take a few years of experience to get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's also having a, a good environment as well, in the Definitely. sense of having like lighting and things like that. And I don't mean obviously photographs as well, but it's also having that. I think that's one of the things I've learned sort of since getting back into it is having a good amount of lighting above you because there's a matter of times where I'm almost squinting and thinking is this me just getting older and I'm just like I'm there struggling yeah. to, <laughs> to see the finer detail and it's yeah I think that's it's so easy to you know especially if you're painting for quite a few hours especially when obviously yeah. it's going from you know potentially afternoon to evening and you know you're thinking oh actually wait a minute crap it's looking a bit <laughs> it's looking a bit darker there. I better put the lights on now <laughs> Yeah, good good light's important. Um like you say, if you're gonna be painting for a long time as well, take breaks. Yeah. You know, yeah. about every hour and a half or so, um, look around, look out the window for a bit or something. Yeah. Get your eyes to focus on something that's a lot further away. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um I mean all these sorts of things are just the same as if you're using a computer a lot of the time. You know, it's exactly the same things you want to do, you know, exercise your hands, move your hands around your arms a bit and otherwise you'll be waking you I've had it myself before, you know, go to work on a Monday and think, God, my hands are aching today. <laughs> <laughs> and it's because I've just been painting for 10 hours straight and I haven't taken yeah. enough breaks and you <laughs> yeah. know I just you, you certainly as I get older it's like yeah you do actually start to get hand cramp and things like that it's not <laughs> yeah. fun mm. yeah it's um, it's, a, it's something we try to do in podcasting as well we go off yeah. and do our uh, our uh, mid mid uh, mid podcast stretching <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually <laughs> just go off and roar in another room at the most times I'll be in yeah. the middle of recording it's like <laughs> oh man so uh, yeah Cameron what's, what brushes do you use uh, I have a mix of fairly cheap brushes from uh, a, a local hobby shop not my local games workshop there's a, another one that has a large variety of various things and they have basically just a shelf of brushes from all different companies um, <laughs> all kind of just mixed and jumbled together and priced according to size it seems um <laughs> Wow. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pot up. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so I tend to use a couple of different size dry brushes and then three or four different size detail brushes for most of my painting. So I have a, I have a dry brush that's about five millimeters across at the tip and I use that for getting color onto large surfaces most of the time. I don't even use it for dry brushing specifically half the time because it's just, sometimes you're painting something very big, <laughs> say a night, for example. Um, and you've just got to get paint on a surface before you can get any further. So. Uh, and then I have a very small dry brush, uh, probably only a couple of millimeters at the tip. Uh, and I use that for, uh, smaller areas where I have to fill in color, or I use it for detailed dry brushing. Basically, I need to dry brush, but only in this tiny little bit to get a sort of a highlight, not quite a super sharp one. Uh, and then I have a few sizes of, uh, sort of layerish, detailish brushes, which I use for things like washing, doing actual, like, layering, actual edge highlighting. Um, at the moment, I'm trying to paint a lot with washers, uh, just because I found that to be sort of a simple and easy way to get things sort of tabletop standard, and it's mm -hmm. an interesting thing to experiment Definitely. with. Uh, but, you know, it's important to be able to do lots of different kinds of things, so I do try and practice other kinds of painting instead of just spraying it white, then plopping a few colors on it and letting it... <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So what, what are you actually using for spraying it white? I think you're using the Citadel version. Yeah, I'm using the Citadel version, which they've, they've, I've read a lot of horror stories online about people having trouble with uh, Games Workshop's white spray. It's never yeah. been a problem for me. I don't know if it's something about the Australian cool. climate, where maybe it's a little <laughs> easier to work with here. <laughs> I, I mean, it's a distinct possibility. It's very dry here a lot of the year, so we don't have any excess humidity uh, unless mm. it's been raining recently, which might help. I'm not sure, but... Uh, in, yeah, in general, do, I use yeah. the Games Workshop primers. They're simple and easy to get for me, and I don't have to go shopping around and making sure I'm not picking up a primer that's extra thick or a weird finish <laughs> yeah. or anything like that yeah. from, a, <laughs> yeah. from a gardening you, store you, or anything. Yeah, you don't want high bill primer and then suddenly just watch all your detail disappear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I think it was yourself, Agent, that got me into the Halfords primers, yeah. the ones over here in the UK, and I must admit... Yeah, they're, good, bit, they're good value and very yeah. good for the job. Absolutely. They, I mean, I've got white, gray. It's, it's, it's funny actually saying that because I don't think they have an actual black primer. They've got a black mm. spray. And to be fair, it's one of those where I don't know. I may just try it. I've got it. I've, as in what I've done when I've used it previously is I used the gray plot primer and then sprayed it black afterwards just to yep. make sure. Cause it, it's one of those where I'm not entirely sure if it's the same. I'm probably overanalyzing it. It probably actually would be fine just to paint straight on, you know, spray it straight on black. But because it's not actually a plastic, whereas the other two, the grey and the white, mm. are both plastic primers, whereas this is just black spray. And I think, well, but yeah, I may just try it anyway and just go to spray it black and see how it how it takes to it, really. But so far, yeah, it's a case of whether it'll actually bond. Well, yeah, thing. that's the thing. Mm. So I may just just get a, a spare miniature, you know, do it yeah. and then see see how it gets on, basically. But no, so far, and, and also that be honest, they're half the price of the, yeah. the GW ones. <laughs> it's so a about big six factor. Pound. You know, yep. it's, it's a, it's a lot, it does, it does make a difference. So, so excellent. Cool. Okay. Well, talking of brushes, do you sort of give any advice on how to look after them? Yep. Um, so, I mean, kind of goes without saying, but hopefully it's pretty obvious is it's hair. So just think of it mm. like caring for hair anyway. So you're not going to want to leave any gack in it. So say you've just painted something or you're just about to paint something actually is a good point to start. When you actually look at your brush, um, like I said, bit more for new people just in case if you didn't know if you're painting for a while so where the actual bristles go up to the metal ferrule that holds them onto the wooden handle 
you don't want the paint to go all the way that far up. You only probably mm. want the paint to go about half three quarters of the way up the brush. Because uh, yeah. if it gets up into the very base of the bristles, it's a nightmare to get it out again. And you'll probably find that the brush will end up splaying out. You'll lose the point on it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, just keep the paint lower down. Um, so that when you go to clean it, so say you've literally just painted something, uh, you want to obviously have a jar of pretty clean water next to you, give it a, a good rinse in that. And stuff I highly recommend picking up, it's called Master's Brush Cleaner. And it's like sort of a shampoo type <laughs> soap dish <laughs> in a, a little plastic pot. Well. <laughs> and a conditioner as well. <laughs> Cures your dandruff and your paintbrush and everything. Hey. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's literally just a, yeah, shampoo and conditioner in a little tub. Um, and just get a little, you know, work a little bit of that in with water and rinse that out again. And that should clean it out 99.9% of the time. Anything you're doing. Uh, if you're doing dry brushing, if you've got a big dry brush, I've got a big one that I use for sort of big models and things like that. You may just need to leave it soaking water a little bit just because obviously because the paints, you've been dry, mm. using very dry paint when you've done it. So it may need to soak the water just a bit longer just to actually loosen it the things. But within about half an hour or so of actually using the paint, it takes a long time for it to actually fully cure. So as long as you clean your brushes very quickly after using them, you'll be fine. Yeah. Excellent. Good advice. I mean, Cameron, do you, do you clean your brushes like that, or are you a bit um, like me I, where I just rinse it? <laughs> um, I, I don't use any special soap or shampoo or anything like that, but I tend to give them a very vigorous rinse. Yeah, well, obviously. Oh, I have I have a beard. Obviously, I use shampoo a lot. Um, <laughs> beard oil gets out, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh um, god. But yeah, no. I, I yeah, give don't them, oil your brushes. Yeah. No, no, don't oil your brushes. Um, I give them a very vigorous rinse, and then I dry them with a bit of tissue yeah. or some paper towel normally to make yeah. sure that they're dry before I put them away for anything so they don't get any yeah. mildewy or anything like that <laughs> yeah yeah that's a good point actually I mean, since you've done it is you want to try and make sure they've got a nice tip on them yeah um, so you see yeah. most people are literally just you know they'll just lick it or whatever just make sure it's got a nice tip on it before you put it away yeah because then it'll dry completely with the tip in place yeah excuse the pun that's a good point so yeah. um <laughs> no <Ba-dum>. that's, <laughs> that's the first one of the day uh, <laughs> but no it's, it is a very valid point with all, with all your you know paints and brushes and tools it is important to actually keep them in good neck because yeah. it's so easy to get sloppy with them i mean i mean going back to paints it's 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 so easy the amount of times i've well not recently but in the past where i've just forgot to put the lid back on correctly yeah. and it's not because mm. i've then gone and knocked it over it's just then i've dried it out and then you go back to it they, oh crap i forgot the, yeah. especially with the gw ones i find that oh, it's awful. so easy to p- think you've put the lid back on correctly because obviously you've got to properly mm. shut it down at least like with like the vallejo ones because it is a proper screw top you know that you you know you, if you put it back on properly or not so yeah be careful <laughs> <laughs> Right. Okay. So yeah, I mean, we like I said, we've spoken about the different sort of makes and brands of paint. So yeah, but sort of based on that, is there anything like so rather than going over them all, um, repeating ourselves, is there anything sort of particularly you know like these are the must-haves, like you know particular like uh, not just not just paints, but also you know like some of these um, like these tech things you can get to to enhance sure. your paints and stuff. So is there anything you would sort of recommend to people? Uh, um, sort of. Certain things, if you want to start even vaguely experimenting, I'd highly recommend picking up uh, glaze medium that Vallejo do. Because mm-hmm. um, then you can turn any colour you've got into a glaze. And that will save you a huge amount of money in Games Workshop mm-hmm. and things like that. <laughs> they like to say you're a separate colour as a glaze. But yeah, I mean, with that stuff, you can make your own glazes up. Um, if you don't know what glaze is, it's, it basically leaves sort of a sheen of the colour 
Yeah. So it's quite transparent when you put it on. Uh, it's absolutely brilliant for doing sort of blending colours or adding just an accent colour to something sort of on flesh tones, armour. You can use it in tons of ways, but that's really worth picking up. Um, beyond that, really, it just depends on what you're going to be painting, in all honesty. Yeah. Um, mm. you know, obviously, when it comes to washes and things like that, if you're going to want to do sort of battle damage things like rust effects or anything like that, you're obviously <laughs> entering into a whole other territory of <laughs> messing around with maybe pigments. Um, but simple ways of doing that. Say, for example, I mean, you guys probably saw I put up the picture to the orc fighter I did. The, yeah, um, gorgeous. Dacker bomber thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which has got its sort of worn out rust areas. That's actually really easy to do. If you wanted to do something which has got rusted out battle damage, um, you can paint just a basic sort of rusty brown underneath. You don't have to use fancy pigments. You can just do it with some shades of brown. Um, if you really on a low budget hit it with some hairspray about four or five coats of hairspray <laughs> honestly really that works? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. yeah hairspray is very it's a very old chipping technique before these fancy new things came out that's just the way to do it um your, your basic 99p hairspray from tesco will do fine yep four or five coats of that put your top color on and then just with a damp brush since that's dried you can just sort of dab it start dabbing at areas with a toothpick and things to make scratches uh-huh. and it will take the top layer of paint off and it'll even mm. sort of bubble up if you get it really wet. Interesting. Peel patches off and things. Um, there's other techniques using salt and things like that. There's a lot of ways to get really amazing effects without having to spend mm. the earth at all. Um, the difference that you get if you start buying all these other products is they're just easier and they're just 100% designed for the task. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, so you can get things like... Uh, what's called? I can't remember what they call it now, but it's basically liquid latex. Liquid mask, they call it. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, which is from Vallejo, and you can use that. You can dab it on with a sponge, paint your top layer on, and then when you scrape the, those bits off, you'll have like tiny little rust chips and things. Oh, excellent. Um, but that's the same as, you can do the same as salt. So it, you know, it's, <laughs> it, if you want to learn sort of all these bits and pieces, tricks, tips, like we said before, you know, just have a look around at tutorials on YouTube and things like yeah. that. You'll find anything you need to learn how to do and give it a go. Just experiment. Yeah. Absolutely. But, well, I think you've given us a few people that you recommend, so I'll I'll make sure that's yeah. in the notes of this episode yeah. so people can go check them out. I mean, when it comes to techniques, is there a sort of, you know, on a sort of basic level, is there anything particularly think, you know what, this is actually quite an easy thing that people could do that they wouldn't necessarily, you know, maybe tackled before? Yeah, um, there's things like, say, blending. People seem to think wet blending is the strange mystical art formula only super pro <laughs> painters and competition and truth people can do. It's incredibly easy to do. It really is. Um, there's a link and things like you say that we'll put in the description. There's a tutorial that Peep3 have put out shows how to do it and you can get mm. amazingly good results across areas and things like that. You know, that's certainly a, probably a technique and things that a lot of people will avoid. Now yeah. I'll just stick to doing edges and highlights or dry brushing and not even contemplate trying it because it looks too hard. And it's yeah. <laughs> and once you start messing around with, yeah, the sort of, the technique they show is called T-brush blending, which is essentially you've got a base colour, you put on the colour that's going to blend across and then you just drag it across with a damp brush and it will just fade out to where you're pulling it. Mm. Or you can do wet blending, which is where you have a couple of different colours and you'll start to blend them together whilst they're still wet. Um, learning those techniques, yeah, it's definitely something I'd say to actually look at early on in messing around with painting. Yep. Because it'll give you a lot more options very quickly, and they're not hard skills to learn. They just take practice to make you look amazing. Same with everything, really. Yeah. I think, I think it's important as well is to, that, 
you can try these things out when you know with spare models because i i don't know if it's the same for you guys and that i i sort of sometimes panic where i think oh i'd love to try these sort of things but i'm like oh but i don't want to i don't want to try it on that you know 50 pound model i've just bought you know because this because obviously you don't want it just in case it ends up being a bit of a disaster but you know there, there is cheap ways of getting models out there where especially like ebay um like we spoke about recently warhammer 40k conquest you know is a cheap way to get a few miniatures just use them as test models you know if you want to learn how to do blending or all these other techniques you've got them there it is excuse me it's actually just your time really more than anything isn't it as opposed to the sort of financial outlay yes there is a little bit but there's always spare models around there's cheap ones Mm. you can get use them try these techniques and you know just see how you get on because i i can imagine that people can surprise themselves if they really just you know put themselves to it and like you said you know the beauty of things like youtube where you can literally see it done in real time you know go check it out without doubt there's some there's a technique james uses quite a lot who can mention below is texture destroyed um which I did ask him first if he was happy for me to mention, which is, because uh, <laughs> I don't want to go giving his trade secrets away, because it's a very good way of, it's a very good way of getting It's an exclusive very, here, everyone. <laughs> yeah. He's mentioned it briefly on Twitter, but he's not done tutorials on it or anything. So the Halford's White Primer that he mentioned earlier, yeah. so prime something with that, and then he'll just use inks. Mm. Oh, and okay. He'll just, he'll just ink the colour straight over the top, and because the consistency of ink, it will create a lovely blending effect, and because it's going over white, it'll obviously be white on the high points, and then the colour will blend down deeper into the darker recesses. Ah, interesting. And and he just uses P3 inks straight over the top of white for a lot of the colours he does. Right, oh, yeah. And a huge amount of work, and I've tried it out as well, and it's sickeningly <coughs> quick. And you can do, you don't have to use ink to do it. You know, if you, if you practice and mix, you know, thin your paints down to the right consistency, you can do it with totally normal acrylic paint as well. Right, okay. Um. So, yeah, just because... On Warhammer TV, they prime everything black. It's <laughs> not. They're, they're, I mean, I don't know if you have you guys seen the RK on tutorial. No, I haven't actually. Right, so he, he primes it black and then and then paints the whole thing black again with a slightly different <laughs> black, and it just makes me weep because then you're going over that black with greys and all these other colours to get it away from black again. Hmm. Um, whereas if you know if you paint something white or grey, you're going to use a lot less paints to go from a dark mm. colour to a light. Yeah, obviously because the further away the colour is, you know, obviously you're going to need, you're not just going to be able to go from literally black to white. You're going to need to put greys in between to bring the colour back up. And you can make your life a lot easier just by using white or light primers. <laughs> really can. Well, Especially if you're doing, you know, if you're doing anything flesh toned. Yeah. Um, fair point. You know, any, all the flesh tones, any light colours anyway. I mean, I love it with the, obviously with the, Deathwatch Black Prime is obviously the way to go. Of course, yeah. <laughs> you know, just be open to these things. You know, have a look, see what people are actually using. Because mm. a lot of the tutorials aren't necessarily in your best interest, shall we say. There might be things in there worth watching, seeing how they do it, but it's not going to be the cheapest way for you to do it to get a great result. I think as well is the, the, the whole primer colour debate has always been a funny one for people because obviously yeah. there's certain people that swear by a particular colour, they'll only use white, they'll only use black. And it's a fair point actually what you say about Wham TV because like, yeah, you're right, mm. they do always pretty much use black for every. And I'm presuming that for, that's for a couple of reasons because what I've always noticed, again, you, I mean, Cameron, you may agree with me or disagree, mm. I'm not sure, but I've noticed that when you go to GW stores particularly, they have a habit of being darker than what you see elsewhere that I've, I've sort of been to the cabinets and 
and mm. look at paint jobs and a lot of a lot of miniatures that have very dark paint when i say dark paint schemes i don't mean literally every mm. color is dark but if you do you know what i mean with like the shade of it always seems yeah, quite they dark don't pop. It yeah, doesn't pop, yeah. Not- so everything's quite drab. And I'm presuming because a lot of the time they are using black primer because which obviously will yeah, naturally drag colours, you know, to a darker mm. tone. Whereas, mm. you know, if you also use a white primer, for example, then obviously they will be, they'll pop more and they'll be brighter. And I presume obviously as well is that because a lot of people recommend black because obviously it can hide things better, especially in recesses and in shadows and things like that where you miss something because we do. <laughs> that's because that's yeah. what people do. Um so yeah, I, I whereas I swear, and then there's some people like think, oh, you know what, I won't, I won't be on either side of the fence. I'll just do grey, <laughs> just keep, you know, and that's a, a valid point as well because I found so far I've started using grey a bit more, and I find grey quite good actually because, like I said, you're sort of in that in between stage where it can go light or dark depending obviously what the colour scheme you're doing. But um, I mean, what could, I mean, Cameron, do you use just your Corax white all the time? Or is that your pretty much your um, standard? No, I, I do use uh, black for different things, like for the knight's legs. Uh, that I mentioned an episode or two ago about painting, I primed those black because I'm doing metallics and it's much easier to get a better coverage um, over black because if you miss anything, it's just a shadow in the metal. Yeah, uh, but exactly. if, you miss, if you miss <laughs> yeah. that, if you miss that with a white primer, that's a very glaring mistake. Uh, and I was painting those quite quickly and they came out nicely. Um, because at, at the moment I'm painting a lot of light things or painting a lot of things with washes, so I'm using the yep. white primer a lot. But in yep. the past, I've used mostly black primer because um, I've been painting things where I wanted uh, perhaps less of a bright finish um, and or <laughs> yeah. I was using a lot of metallics in the case of those Tyranids early on in the hobby that I mentioned. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, vary, I sort of vary between uh, which one I use depending on what result I want or what technique I want to use. If I'm using a lot of washes and I want a very bright result, I'll use white. If mm-hmm. I'm using a lot more layering of paints or um, I just want to do a lot of dry brushing to get something done quickly, I'll use a black primer because then that covers up mistakes much more easily. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously worth mentioning, of course, is the GWD all there, color, color range as well. Mm. Like the spray colors. I'm pretty sure they are a primer as well, aren't they? Yes, yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah, they are. Yeah. So, like you're saying, if you're doing, I don't know, Necrons or something like that, you know, it's going to be vastly in your interest to pick up a can of spray lead belcher and just blast the whole lot in one go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're and you, and you save yourself a lot of work. Yeah. So I mean, it, 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 the actual, sorry, I was going to say, so the actual color of the primer, you know, it's generally open for debate, like you say, but there are other options as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, I've used the, the GW ones and they're, they're, they're so far, they're really good. I must admit. And they, like I said, they do save you a job. I mean, I've used the, the Caliban green one. I've used the death guard green one and yeah, they do, they do a very good job actually. I, you know, they, hence why they are probably a bit more expensive, you know, so you that's sort of thing is that trade off. Yeah. To a degree. Like trade off for time and cost. Yeah. Yeah. About exactly. 12 pounds each straight off the store. Excellent. Right. Okay. Let's let's go on to something I think a lot of people would be interested in. Let's talk about airbrushing because this is something I've picked your brain at on Discord. This <laughs> is something I would love to get into, and I've mentioned it on a previous episode as well. So yeah. So let's let's do airbrushing one hundred and one. So where would you even begin to start with this? Okay. First thing for airbrushing, I would say the very first thing is, uh, can you actually justify the cost of it relatively? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not, it's not a cheap thing. Like to every purchase to. in this hobby. <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunately you are going to have a not insignificant outlay. Uh, I've managed to put together a list on Amazon of the absolute basics and that comes to about 130 pounds, I think. Yeah. 
Mm. So, you know, that's the absolute minimum for getting started. That, uh, so yeah, that's your first thing. But if you're going to actually get into it, I can highly recommend it for quite a few reasons. Um, if you're going to be painting a lot of stuff, it basically will get cheaper over time and it will eventually pay for itself mm-hmm. just because the cost of the paint you're going to be using and how little paint you're going to be using compared to buying rattle cans or aerosol cans, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, it'll soon pay for itself. A bottle of, an eight pound bottle of prime will last me about three or four months. Wow. At least. Okay. You know, it's, it soon adds up. So if you're going to be using it quite a bit, the initial outlay, will actually pay off for itself and then you've got a really handy tool to hand that you can use for all kinds of things just not just for priming all your base colours um, if you've got a fairly fine hairbrush even sort of blending and things like that are totally possible on something relatively large mm. so yeah it opens up a whole other world of possibilities but you don't need to spend a fortune to get started you can get a fairly decent setup the setup that I'm actually using to do a lot of stuff is about £130 yeah. that includes primers and things mm-hmm. Do you, I mean, what do you say to people that get quite intimidated by it? Because I think that's the thing uh, of all these things yeah. we've spoken about. Airbrushing is quite an intimidating thing because obviously, at least with normal painting, you get a brush, you get a paint, you plop it on. Yep. That's, you know, it's simple stuff really, but airbrushing is... We, you know, it can the, be, you know, it's, it, it, exactly. It's like you know, you're talking about compressors, you're talking about what brush, you're talking about you know, 0.2s and 0.5s, and and all, and you know, and then you got thinners, and you know, all these other things. It, it you know, mm. it sounds a bit of a minefield, but you know, sort of, sort of from your advice, do you sort of think you know what it isn't actually as bad as it sounds? No, not really. I mean, it's just another tool. Um, so you'd have to imagine it like, you know, you've never picked up a paintbrush and you're learning how to use one for the very first time. Hmm. Or, you know, pick up a guitar for the first time, you know, it's going to be awful. But by the time after you practice a bit, you're going to be able to bash out a tune. Yeah. Um, but the thing where it gets a little bit trickier, which is, I think is, I mean, like Drew's mentioned in the Discord, is finding, getting the mixture level right. Yeah. You know, getting the consistency right, learning how to use the air pressure so that you don't just end up banging your head against a brick wall and thinking, I'm never going to actually be able to paint anything here because you either end up <laughs> spitting paint everywhere and it looks like you pebble dashed it or you know it comes out so thin it just turns into a wash and drips on the floor <laughs> um that there, there is a sweet spot with it and yeah you can't really write it down for anybody because it will there's so many factors um mm. it will depend literally down to the humidity and temperature where you are when you're doing it um to the airbrush and the pressure that you're using things like that um, so it's just a case of trial and error, really. And then after a while, you'll suddenly, it'll just click. Yeah. You know, and you go, that, yeah, that's right fitness. You try it on a bit of paper first. Yeah, that's working fine. And off you go. And as soon as you get to that stage, my God, it makes your life easier. <laughs> yeah. It really does. You know, I'm mean, like my kill team scenery. You know, I can just airbrush, you know, a piece at a time. I haven't got to set up a huge designated area and mm. hope the weather's right outside. Of the yeah. Aerosol. Because as long as you've got, I mean, you're going to need a mask on obviously mm-hmm. and I've got a massive great fan I leave in the window pulling air out and I leave the door open <laughs> so it acts like a wind tunnel and it yeah. just oh, nice. sucks everything out and then when I'm done I just go out, out of the room for half an hour and wait for it to clear completely yeah you know I mean I wouldn't recommend doing it in your front room with your prized possessions actually, <laughs> <but> <laughs> no <laughs> there are um, there are very good little setups you can get which have got extractor fans in them all right, nice. nice. And they're about fifty pounds on eBay. I need to find a link for them actually again for you because I came across them the other day. Oh, cool, nice. Um, just thinking about this. So yeah, you know, if you're going to be doing it in your house somewhere, you know, hopefully you've got somewhere fairly close to the app. You know, you're going to be near. Chances are you're going to be near a window anyway for the light. 
Yeah, mm. good point. Um, for painting anyway, so hopefully you've got somewhere where you, you know, put one of those little setups, it'll take all the fumes out for you. But then once you've got one in, you can start messing about. Like we were just saying about primers, um, there's a thing you can call, do called xenothyl priming. Have you okay. seen you guys seen that? No, never heard of that. Uh, so basically, say so you've got really detailed miniature, um, prime the whole thing black. Obviously, once that's dried, then you then to do a light prime of white or whatever you've chosen, highlight color, heading mm. down for where you want the, the light source to be. And it, you'll end up with natural white highlights or lighter highlights over all the detail. Oh, and it okay. makes it so easy to paint something complicated because you're not thinking, is what exactly mm. am I painting here? <laughs> everything just suddenly, <laughs> everything just pops out to you and you can actually see what you're doing. And then if you're using slightly thin colors, then they'll obviously sort of end at slightly as a wash, like we were saying before about the white primer. <clears throat> you have them slightly thicker again and you'll get all your natural shades very, very quickly. It gives a really good blending effect. And it's that's literally with two quick layers of primer and one color. And 99% if you work up a damn few. Um, vehicles and things, obviously, it's loads easier because you're getting nice, even surface over big yeah, area. Yeah, true. Yeah. Which is another very big benefit for, I mean, if you guys sort of try painting, you know, even just like a rhino or something like that with a brush, you know, you, you, you're going to end up with quite a thick layer and getting it so you can't see a single brush mark is. Does yeah, take some it's practice. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, mm. I think that's the thing. We want to, you know, I think for anyone listening as well, you just want to make things easy, your life easier. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest, because, you know, it, it shouldn't be a chore, painting no. in general, because obviously that's why it should be fun. Do, it should be fun, but let's be, you know, but then let's be honest, <laughs> it is a chore as well at times. You know, there is, you know, as we've always yeah. said, you've got all this stuff to do and it's more, you know, it's the whole time uh, situation. And also, and also sometimes when you've got a lot to do, it's intimidating and, you know, especially when especially when you're doing sort of rank and file troopers if you've got like i said you know 20 30 of them do it you know one out especially when they're all pretty much the same you want to be able to smash them out quite quickly um yeah. so you don't get bored of it because that will creep in as well mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. you know that's why i think airbrushing you know it like i said just just sounds so enticing especially when it comes to like you said about the things when it like the weather like that that is one of my big you know especially like, as you know being in the uk yourself yeah. it's one of the biggest bugbears over here because it's so inconsistent at times yeah, it's you know, to be slightly windy and you, you know, you're oh, it's, it's screwed me over. You know, it's the, yeah, don't get me started on the wind. It, <laughs> it, it really does my head in over, you know, because of, well, it, mm. you know, it, if you remember quite a few months ago when I had that problem with my, uh, Redemptor Dreadnought where the wind like yeah. blew it off the table. Oh, God, and yeah. And, you that know, was that was absolutely frustrating. <laughs> and the amount of times, you know, in all good faith, and I've said it on this show multiple times, like, right, you know, at the weekend, I'm going to get my primer out, my, you know, my, my rattle cans, and I'll be going to prime all these models, get them ready. And just the weather goes, no, no, Matt, you're not doing it. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> not today. <laughs> and it's not going to happen. It's so frustrating. Uh, I mean, Cameron, have you looked into getting into airbrushing at all? I have, but I kind of don't have a space that's any good for it, so I'd have to build, like, mm. a stand to go put in the garage or something, <laughs> and sure. then I'd have to get all the airbrushing gear and put it together. So it's like, at the moment, it's not super feasible for space reasons, basically, but I yeah, don't know if I move somewhere enough. that has, like, an actual proper shed, maybe could work out, but at the moment, I'm still I'm still doing a lot of learning with painting, <laughs> so I'm going to stick yeah. with brushes, physical for now. We're going to do some brushing with air eventually. Um, <laughs> I might change my mind once I get my hands on smog, but we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
Look at yeah, that. I mean, okay, it, no, I'm not doing this with the brush, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's certainly not the end all and be all. You know, no, it's of course just not. An, it's another tool. Yeah. And it's something yeah. these things, you know, sometimes you'll see people say, oh, you've airbrushed that, that's cheating. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> no, I, I've seen that so many times. My head's just gone. Oh, what? Uh, how? what? It's, 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 that's like saying, it's, like, that's like saying, oh, you, you, you know, you primed it with a spray can as opposed to yeah. painting it. That's cheating. No, that's more mm. efficient. <laughs> yeah. It's, so uh, that's one argument I've never understood. Yeah. But, I mean, certainly, if you if you're going to be doing like a vehicle based army or something like that, you know, it's certainly worth might be worth considering. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. Especially when you start looking at things like you know putting stencils on, using stencils and stuff like that mm. as well. You know, you can, there's just a whole host of things that once you actually look at tutorials and look at how people are painting things that you're interested in or, or you've even already got, and see if you can just find any airbrush tutorials and see if you think, that looks so good, it might be worth getting one. Yeah. That's when it's like, actually, yeah, it might be worth considering buying one. But yeah. if you're just painting stuff occasionally, you know, it's it's hard to justify the outlay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Because it's not, it's not a cheap thing to get into. And let's be honest, it's it's less glamorous as well. This yeah. this side of things, unfortunately, you know, when it comes to the financial side of things, let's be, you know, I can guarantee, you know, if you said, right, okay, we, you know, do you, would you spend a hundred quid on, you know, on models? And you're like, yeah, of course I would. Yeah, would any you hundred yeah. quid on an airbrush and a compressor? Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'd, it's not got big sharp teeth and big guns, is it? Um, you know, it's, it's because that's it. It's the less glamorous side of it. But exactly. it's a necessity yeah. or... You know, not necessarily an airbrush, but the, the you know, the, if you want painted miniatures, you need the tools and paints to do it. That's just the way it is, unfortunately. And it, like I said, mm. but if you can make it efficient, if you can make it uh, efficient, both from a time and money point of view, and yeah. and also something that clicks with you as a person, because let's be honest, there's some people that may you know airbrushing airbrushing may be their thing. You know, they always like yeah. they, they wish they wish they'd done it before. Or some people, but it may just never. It may just never click with them. Okay, you know what? I'll go back to my normal brushes and or you know mm. a combination or whatever you want to do um so yeah i can i can properly see that but it's just i think i think it's for a lot of people it's knowing these stuff this stuff is out there because there's certain techniques yeah. there's certain you know like stencils and and all these things you think oh, i don't even you wouldn't even consider it unless you're into this side of things so it's you know it's it's good to know that people can go out there and and check this sort of stuff out oh without mm. a doubt you find out a lot about it um i mean Thinking about sort of when it clicked for me was actually when I was doing an Eldar Fire Prism. Mm. Um, until then, I had a, I mean, the, the first airbrush that I got, you can get, for, I think it's like £25 on Amazon. Yeah. You know, the, mm. the list I put up for £130 is if you're actually seriously going to be using it a lot. But if yeah. you just want to try it, there are really basic kits you can get. I mean, I, mine burnt out after a day, but that's not the story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have tried painting RK on wings for four hours, but that, that was, that <laughs> yeah, was really. user error. I can't blame them for that. Lesson learned. Um, yeah, but yeah, for doing, doing the fire prism though, I suddenly realized that I was doing a whole red ship and I was blending it out to yellows and oranges on the wings. And then I you know, I did some simple masking, put the black stripes right across it. I had a really good looking model for mm. just learning how to mm. use the airbrush to yeah. spending a couple of days working out how to do it so it, you know you can give it you can you can um you can test the waters with one of those kits but i wouldn't strongly recommend them to be honest because they're just you with how much we tend to use these things you're gonna you're gonna burn it out yeah um, yeah, yeah they're only means. they're only sort of one-off kits really i'm not what no sorry not one-off but um something you might use sort of an hour or two a year yeah you know, yeah they're, um, I think they actually sell it for nail, like ply nail polish. Yeah, I think stuff. that's what they are. Yeah, so sim- similar, 
sort of thing. So, or like airbrush tattoos and that's like it. That. Yeah. yeah, you know, I got one of those. But the airbrush that came with that survived. I use that for doing all my um, like for the actual priming and things like that. So yeah. the airbrush has actually lasted quite a long time. Oh, nice. Mm. Uh, but um, they are cheap. It's the same with anything like these things. The ones I mentioned on there, it's like seventeen pounds, I think, on that list. Yeah, and it's basically being blunt about it, it's a Chinese knockoff of an Iwata, <laughs> um, which is th- which is three hundred and thirty pounds, I think, at the moment. God. Having looked the other day, <laughs> so it's not the best made. You know, you may find the spray won't be a hundred percent accurate, but it gives you an idea whether you actually going to actually want yeah. to learn to do it yeah you know and it's got a lot of controls on it and that's like you mentioned earlier about the nozzle sizes that's 0.2 millimeter so the smaller the mm. nozzle size the finer you're going to be able yeah. to get with it yeah so you, you can actually do pretty much everything with that one airbrush but you know if, if you drop it and break it don't expect to be able to buy parts <laughs> it's just no. not it's not that it's designed to be disposable yeah well, like, yeah, well, like, I've, 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 bro- I've broken one already. You can just yeah. bought another one and not yeah. thought twice about it. But it, well, it's the same principle we were saying about normal brushes. You have some that yeah, you just exactly. you know, abuse the hell out of, chuck it away, buy another one, you know, and then there'll be yeah. the some that you'll, you know, you won't obviously do that with. And because obviously you've invested more into it. I mean, that same airbrush you're talking about, I bought ages ago when you recommended it. I just need to get, like, so get the compressor, et cetera, to, to go with it. So no, that sounds awesome. Mm. So, so we've covered. I said the tools of the trade. We've talked about techniques, brushes, brush care, airbrushing, and obviously different brands and things like that, right? But let's talk about something that you obviously definitely want to mention, Adrian, is uh, the attitude and the yeah. sort of you know the psychological side of this sort of stuff. So, what's your mm, thoughts? Yeah. Uh, okay, so, so it might sound a tad pretentious, but you need to think of yourself as an artist because uh, right. you are. Yeah, you are. You are creating art on a miniature. It's as simple mm. as that. You know, if you're painting a bedroom, you're painting magnolia. That's not the same thing. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I am an artiste. <laughs> I am an artiste. Watch me, watch me roll around this magnolia. But you know, um, you know what we're doing. We're trying to trick the eye. You know, we want to make these little bits of plastic that are less than two inches tall most of the time look real. So mm. to do that, you are an artist, and that will help you because you've got to start to look at how how light works and things like that on surfaces. It sounds a bit bit out there at first, but you'll get what I mean when you start to look at things. So if you're painting something that's blue, look at something that's blue and look at which bits of it actually look dark blue and night blue and things like that. And then if you go to paint a cloak, it'll make it make a lot more sense to you. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's, you know, that's the first thing I'd say is actually to start to look at the world around you more so you get an idea of how light reflects off things because you're, you're trying to trick the eye with these models. And sort of mm. that's why you accentuate highlights and things like that more, a lot more. Um, you guys, I think, watch them, don't you, Uncle Atom? Yes. Top yep. Top Minions. Yeah, we do. Mm. He yep. did, he, yeah, he did a really good video on this quite recently, actually. I don't know if you saw it or not. And there was a example of use where you look at theatre makeup, where the people are on the stage a long way away, and then if you suddenly meet them straight after the performance, or their makeup is really exaggerated, so their eyes are really dark and their forehead's <laughs> really white, and they've got really over-the-top makeup, and it's so that their features stand out from a long way. And it's kind of the same thing. So when we do highlights and edge highlights, you know, they tend to be more, more bright or, you know, more, um, pronounced than they would be to statue in reality. But then when you look at it on table, it just makes everything stand out a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, I was going to, I was going to, sorry, Cameron, did you want to? No, no. I'm no, sorry. I, was, <laughs> sorry. I didn't want to interrupt you. Um, no, what I was going to say is that 
what I've noticed that's funny you say that is that like say you look at the the Citadel app where you look at the Space Marine backpack where it's they're highlighting you know the different colors that you need to get that highlight. When you actually look yep. at that backpack, it doesn't look that good. When you look at the actual no. highlighting, you're thinking, well, that looks a bit scruffy and and things like that. Mm. But because it's a backpack by itself, just you zoomed yeah. in on it. But then when it's part of a bigger picture, it's on you know the backpack is on the Space Marine with all the other colors, all the other different highlights in the context of what it is, it can look fantastic. It's bizarre how, to me, well, to me anyway, where you can look at it in one way and it's the same backpack. It's not changed since it's fully painted. It just, in in its proper context, it looks a lot better than when you just see it by itself. It's yeah, it's quite, and that's sort of, like I said, tricking the eye to a degree. Like you just it say. is, yeah, that's it's kind of what we're doing. Um, I'm certain one of the other things that was worth mentioning, which we've touched on before already, is you know, when you're looking at work online, if you're just starting out, don't pay yourself for competition winners because you're going to get so despondent so quickly. Yeah. Because you're going to think, oh, look, looks like they've only used about four or five colours to do that. And like you're saying, you know, with 500 hour models earlier, mm. there are people who will spend all their evenings, all their weekends doing their one piece for Golden Demon each year. Yeah. And, you, you know, you're just not going to get there that quickly. So just set yourself realistic objectives of what you want to learn, how to be able to do, what you want it to look like. And then don't be overcritical of yourself afterwards. True. You know, you look at it and just go, all right, yeah, okay, now I'll see how I could have done that differently. And you know, try something different. That's why also I was saying very early on about starting off with your base troops. You know, so if you do do one, you think, oh my God, yeah, that's not going to work. You haven't done it on your lead character that you just spent £30 on. <laughs> you know, where it's, it's going to be the one figure that you're looking at all the time in every battle. You can just have one Marine at the back somewhere who's always cannon fodder. <laughs> don't worry about him. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, just learn from your mistakes, basically. Uh, mm. it's, it's just the attitude of, you know, you want to learn, have fun doing it. You've got to have fun doing it. If it turns Definitely. into a chore and you hate what you're doing, you need to change something because you will get what people call hobby hatred and you just won't want to touch it. <laughs> um, and that can, I mean, that could come from repetition and all sorts yes. of things without a doubt. You know, if you've got a huge army of whatever, yeah, it can get a bit daunting over a few months trying to do all the same thing. But mm-hmm. Yeah. Try and, yeah, to try and mix it up a bit, things like that. But yeah, you're having a positive attitude towards it and how you're actually viewing what you're doing will make a huge difference to the results mm. you get. Um, my friend James, who's been teaching me to paint, um, said he's been trying to teach tons of people paint and they all give up after about three months. Yeah. You know, they just go, no, you know what? I can't be asked. I can't be bothered. I, I can't work out how to do it. And they just give up and never return to it, which is a real, real shame. So I'm hoping somebody from this will pick up something, you know, and they'll go, well, actually, yeah, I can. <laughs> you know, I could try doing this differently. You know, I could try looking at that tutorial and see how that guy's doing it, because I reckon I can copy that. I think, I think we're, the, I think what, it, it's a double-edged sword in the sense that where we touched upon earlier that, you know, we're in this age of the internet where you've got tutorials on, you know, on tap at any Everything. point yeah. is a great thing. But then I think the problem is that's where the self-doubt can come in. Personally sure. speaking, I, you know, when you, the problem, you know, when you're young, you know, younger or when I'm, when you, you know, the internet wasn't really around, you know, you're only really compared to people beside you. And you think, yeah, okay, I'm a young kid. Of course, the guys that run this GW store, you know, they're painted every day. They're going to look better than me. So you don't really care that they're that bad. And then you, you know, you take your models in and, you know, some other, you know, guy or kid goes, oh, yeah, yeah, they look really cool. And, you know, and you just sort of, you're in this almost like this little bubble, aren't you, where they yeah. probably are good, but mm. you're not sort of doubting them as much. Whereas now on the internet, you're like, you know, you could paint your model and think, 
all right, okay, I'm really happy with that. Not, not necessarily post it anywhere, but then you look elsewhere and you're thinking, oh my God, oh my mine God. just looks yeah. crap in comparison. And it's not. It's just that no. you're comparing to people that, but then you don't know what they've done to it, you know, in the sense that they could have spent 500 hours. So if they spent 500 hours and you've spent five hours and you're perfectly acceptable five hours, but then they yeah. are, they were, theirs will look better. You know, it's sort of, it, it's like anything. If you put the time and effort into it it will show eventually but then don't you know don't run before you can walk and i think that's the thing to get across and and i yeah. and I'm, I'm saying this to myself i think that since i've got back into this hobby i'm sort of i i personally sometimes feel overwhelmed with the from a painting and, and hobby point of view that i think oh god oh, look at all these guys around me look at some of the stuff they do god i wish i could do that mm. and then but then I, at the same time because of you know adult life and things like that it can get in the way, you know, and sometimes I can't spend the time that someone else may do. And therefore I think, well, of course they're going to do better than me. They've spent a lot longer doing it. So they will look better than mine. So don't be, you know, don't beat yourself up about it. It's it's easy to do. Very easy. Yeah. yeah. It's far too easy to do. And at the end of the day, the, the only comparison, unless you're actually entering a competition, the only comparison that matters is between in your head, what you wanted it to look like and how it turned out. (laughs) Yes. Definitely. Yeah, that is yeah. the only one that really matters. Because if it's if you're still not getting the results you want, then that's time to start looking more and working out, you know, where you're going wrong or what else you need to learn. But if you're happy with how it looks, then go for it. Yeah, you know, it, it doesn't matter two cents. You know, if somebody comes up to you on a table and says, you know, oh, your mid is, your models aren't painted as good as they could have been, then just ignore them. Just yeah. move on. Yeah, Life is not too short absolutely. for people like that. It really mm. is, you know. Everybody just does this. Should be doing this for the fun, unless you're actually yeah. the competitions. It should be fun. Yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Food for thought. <laughs> deep and meaningful thoughts. Like we, we sometimes go deep on this on this show. Don't yeah. worry. It's, it's not yeah, a, but it, it's, it's just it's just an underlying principle. Yeah. It? You know, it, it, hmm. If you're not having fun, what you're doing, then you need to change something. Yeah. Absolutely. No, t- totally agree with that. And I think it's, you know, it's not seeing it as a chore, just seeing it as something. And also, I think the problem is we do beat ourselves up about if we don't get stuff done. You know, there are yeah. times, I mean, when, when Cameron and I are talking, you know, about hobby stuff every episode, there's times where I think, oh, God, I'm, I feel I might as well not be talking. I've not really done anything. But, but, but that's it sometimes the way it goes. That's just normal. Yeah. That's, you know, unless you're in an extremely lucky position of being able to do, you know, hobbying full time, yeah. then it's got to fit in around your rest of your life. Of course life. you do. Yeah. You know, and if that means that you can only prime your army for a little bit before you get, you know, play with them, then paint them after, so be it. But, yeah. you know, just don't, if you do that, just don't fall into the trap. A lot of people do thinking, oh, next weekend I'll paint them. <laughs> Maybe next month I'll paint them. Well, that's the thing. I think I think people do tend to almost rightly or wrongly put pressure on themselves. Sometimes that can be a good thing. You know, we're like, right, okay, yeah. I've got. It's a fine in the case like you've got a tournament, like like Cameron. You've obviously, you know, you've mm. uh, you know, you've done a Age Sigma tournament not that long ago, and obviously yeah. would have yeah. had to, you know, depending obviously what the way your particular store wants it. Sometimes you can get away mm. with not having painted miniatures, etc. But, you know, if you've got a goal like a tournament, you think, yeah, great, that's fine. I will get it ready for then. But then I suppose that's a different mm. type of painting potentially because really you're not doing it to a competition standard. You're doing it to a tabletop no. standard generally. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think sometimes we do put it, you know, pressure on ourselves. And I don't, sometimes I don't know why. Because like for myself, I... I've got no, there's no reason for me to paint my models at any particular time. I'm not going to tournaments and stuff. I can paint them when I want. I suppose for myself, yeah. the only pressure is this podcast in a, in a weird way, because obviously <laughs> it gives me something. Cause if, so I, I've got something to talk about. 
but but then yeah. at the same time, you know, I just go, you know what, I managed to prime those. Sometimes it's like, nope, I couldn't put, I didn't, just didn't get time. Other stuff, you know, life got in the way, and that's mm. the way it is. And don't worry about There's it. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and don't beat yourself up over it because that's just that's just how it is. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Exactly. Be positive, everyone. Be bra- be exactly. be brave. Be positive. <laughs> just go for it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, I think we've covered most of the things we wanted to, to talk about on this episode. Um, sort of before we wrap it up, is there anything yourself, Adrian or Cameron, want to talk about in regards um, to painting and hobbying? I mean, only one quick thing, like we sort of didn't really mention about sort of non-metallic metals and things like that that people may come across mm. these abbreviations online. Okay. Um, so yep. if you're just starting out, um, there's two things you may see quite often, which is NMM, which is non-metallic metals. So that's basically uh, creating the illusion of light reflecting on metal, but you're not actually using a paint with metal pigments in it. And the other one is called OSL, which is object source lighting. And that's where you're giving the illusion of light coming onto a highlighted areas from a distinct light source. So it could be, say, mm. a Dungeons and Dragons character who's holding a torch or something like that, and their arm will have yellow highlighting it and on one side of their face and things like that. Um, non-metallic metals people use it's really just blending. Um, mm. but they just, it just gets given this whole other mystical area because people stop using metallic paints for it. But that's what artists have been doing for centuries. I mean, you look at any picture of, you know, any oil painting of something with metal in it and it's not met- metallic paint, it's shaded normal colour. Mm. Mm. So, you know, if you are curious about those areas, you know, there's tons you can dive into online and artists who do it all the time. Yes. They're worth looking at. There's something worth mentioning. No, that's no. People may, that- may, people may see it and think, Oh, uh, what's all this about? <laughs> uh, you know, you know, somebody posts up somebody with a power sword and go, check out my NMM. And everyone's like, yeah, it's yeah, amazing. It's yeah. amazing. And you're thinking, what, what am I looking at? <laughs> yeah. You know, what's, what, I don't get it. So yeah, that's all it is. It's no, that's not fair point. Metallic paints. Excellent. Um, Cameron. But no, apart from that, I think oh, we've covered everything really well. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. Excellent. Glad to hear. No, it's, it's been fantastic. Having you on here, Adrian. Like I said, I think we oh, mm. anyone listening would have definitely learned something out of this. I, I know I have, and you know, oh, there's yeah. certain things <laughs> that I was already aware of. But no, I think you know it, the whole painting hobby side of things. It, it's like you know, even like our normal shows, you know, where we cover obviously mainly law. It's such there's such a broad range of stuff out there oh, in, this, without, in this hobby, without a doubt. And you know, and the, the the hobby side, the painting side, is no different, and it can be as you know as complex or as simple as you want it to be. Um, but I think like I said, the, the thing, as we were just touching upon a minute ago is just, just do what you feel is best. Do what you can do what you, what's within your budget. Do what, you know, be, mm-hmm. don't be frightened to learn new things, but then if you don't want to do something, don't do it. Cause you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. That's There's the no reality. saying you must do it. Exactly. No one's, you know, this is, is this hobby is ours and it's yours. <laughs> Anyone that's listening, it's your hobby. You can do what you mm-hmm. want with it, uh, you know, for, for better or worse. And that's, and that's the way you got to look at it. So, but no, thank you very much for, for joining us on this, Adrian. It's been, it's gone how I thought it would. No, but in, you know, jokes aside, I, I was hoping that by getting you on here, we could learn uh, a lot of new things. And I think, I think definitely we will after listening to this. So, mm-hmm. so no, thank you very much. Um, thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Excellent. Glad to have you. And uh, right, so we'll just do the the wrap up as normal. So um, I said, anyone listening, if you've 
uh, not done it before if you can happy to uh, give us a five star review on itunes um i know itunes can be a bit of a pain to do reviews on because <laughs> especially when obviously people listen to podcasts on other platforms but as i said if you've got the time and the ability to uh we greatly appreciate it because obviously it gets more people listening to the show uh from a social media point of view you can check us out mainly on uh, twitter which is at realm and ruin uh that's where we you know show off a lot of our stuff and what we're mm-hmm. talking about um we're on facebook uh not as much attention but we've got a facebook page which is <laughs> facebook.com slash realm and ruin um also our website which is realm and um also if you go to realm and slash uh resources i believe and there's well there's a link saying resources um some of the things that adrian's mentioned like his airbrush sort of starter set or recommended set is on there and we'll keep adding stuff so it's just for you know general uh, advice and uh, you know resources and so yep yeah, go check that out um other thing is our discord which is obviously where we met adrian in the first place and like i said we've got a lovely little community haven't we adrian it's a great place to yeah, be a really nice bunch of people in there everybody's really helpful exactly I recommend joining and we've not paid him to say that because we don't have <laughs> all we our money goes on hobby stuff exactly so the link will be in the show notes so if you as like i said if you want to join us on the discord please do because like like adrian and and Cameron said we've got a great community on there so yeah feel free to join us um and as adrian has been a guest on the show if you ever want to join us as a guest on a you know to talk about another warhammer related topic then obviously again contact us on any of the sort of social media channels that i've just mentioned um and so lastly uh adrian sort of plug what sort of where people can find you on the internet and you know what you do yep um if you want to try and find me main thing i used to be honest is twitter obviously just try join us in the realm room discord but yeah if you want to find me on twitter you can find me as at silver's studio um and yeah just if you've got any questions about anything you've heard on this podcast just hit me up on there as well yeah i'll do anything i can to help excellent and uh cameron where can people find you on the internet uh you can find me on twitter at night underscore twitten that's night without a k uh i have a little bit of free time now so be prepared for a lot of tweets about spider-man and uh, how much (laughs) i'm not doing much (laughs) (laughs) and all that hobby stuff he's gonna get to do (laughs) well hopefully yeah (laughs) no pressure we said that no pressure (laughs) oh yeah no pressure but that's the plan if i'm not going to do it now when am i going to do it yeah 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 good point good point excellent and you can find me on twitter as well at ninja badger seven and yeah so this has been one of our lovely little spin-off shows we hope you've enjoyed it we hope you learned something uh thank you very much again to adrian for joining us and we'll catch you on the next show say bye everyone bye goodbye thank Uh, you bye bye